Today's episode on the Back Pocket is brought to you by Ghost Fit, a lifestyle clothing brand aimed towards fitness. And let me tell you what, these shirts are so damn comfortable when I'm working out that I just want to continue to work out. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, You know, I just went out the other night. I know all my listeners, all the marketing interns are all going out on Saturday nights. They're all also working during the week. How about I give you a shirt that you can do both with? You can work out in this shirt. You can go out and look nice still as at the same time. What do you guys think about that? If you want one of these shirts, why don't you go on over to uh, ghostfitapparel.com. That's G-H-O-S-T-F-I-T-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Today is November 6th, and we have now released 29 podcasts. Deck, I'm not buying it. Yeah, when when you uh, when we started this show uh, 29 podcasts ago, and we were like, hey, let's get out, let's get to our 29th podcast, we were like, I'm not buying it. It's not happening. There's no way, no way in hell that it's going to go. And you know, the funny thing was, we originally started this podcast in lieu of probably 20 podcasts. Because we, we got our Squarespace website and we could only do 20 pages on there. So we're like, all right, we'll get to 20 and then we'll figure it out from there. But then we figured out a new method within Squarespace that let us that allowed us to get more podcasts on their website. Yeah. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah. So let's give ourselves a pat on the back for that one. Mm-hmm. Figuring it out. Just doing good, great stuff. And, you know, we've had to figure out, you know, a lot of stuff on this show. And... And Squarespace has been probably the, di- the most difficult point for uh, learning curve. We've just struggled significantly on the learning curve of adjusting to a website where it's kind of like your platform for everything. Yeah, so I wouldn't say we haven't struggled. We've just we've had to figure out adjust and go okay. um, pretty much the entire time, and it's just been a lengthy battle. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took us, I mean, people forget, it took us two months to get on iTunes. It's now taking us 29 episodes to figure out podcast analytics. So that's our average quality today is figuring out our podcast analytics. And it's not that we have figured it out. Let's go ahead and premise that. Mm-hmm. We have not figured out our podcast analytics, but we've taken one step closer to where we, uh, where we want to be. So um, it turns out the podcast analytics that we're looking for is where uh, we host our website, which is on Squarespace. This is not an ad. Uh, Squarespace is great, but um, you know this is where we put our, our episodes up. And uh, there's a thing that's called uh, RSS subscribers. And so you know, one day I'm just... Uh, lurking through our Squarespace um, thing, editing our website as we always do, you know, doing our due diligence as podcasters. And uh, I noticed this little quinky dink uh, called RSS subscribers. And, you know, I click on it and I go to our RSS page where we um, distribute our podcast every week on iTunes. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Give us a five star review. Um, you know the drill. And tell your friends to go ahead and subscribe. Give us a five star review. 
Um, but anyway, so we're looking at I'm looking at these analytics, and I'm like, holy numbers. We got numbers all over the place. We got huge numbers in October. We got big numbers coming in in November. And the best part about these numbers, they've been on a continual pendulum of going up. Yeah. They have not swung back down. They're just going up. Yeah. And if you look at February, when we first started, there was like a couple numbers there. Like not not big numbers. We're talking 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s. And then now in October, we're in the 1500s. So kind of cool. But we don't know what it means. These are big numbers, and to indulge, to indulge ourselves in exactly what indulge, indulge. In ours into exactly what it means. Um, this is where our learning curve again continues to um, have a foag mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, foag stands for figure, figure out, out, adjust, and go. go. And then if you want to add the W U on there, that's with urgency. So, so it's foag woo. So right now we're, we're avoiding the woo. We're just taking our time and yeah. just learning the process because we're. Tr- if you love the process, the process will love you. Mm. Okay, very uh, mutual friendship. Absolutely. And that's absolutely. a shout out, John and Sarah. He dropped me that line this weekend. <laughs> um, so these numbers, they're big. Uh, however, we don't know exactly how to view the numbers. How to we, analyze them. How to analyze them. We think that there's a smaller number inside this big number that is really what we're looking for. Right. I think the only thing that we could be proud of is that our number has increased since we first started back in February. But I feel like that's a given just by you know how much work we've put into this. Yes. Now, like you said, this... The say, so this 1500 RSS subscriber number, you know, we have to really analyze and figure out what the heck that actually means, right? So we can't get excited about the 1500 number because of the 1500, how many actual subscribers do we have out of that? We have no clue, but it could be 20, and that would be uh, kind of disappointing. Yes. But I, again, just to, to show everyone or to tell everyone, let everyone know, if if it ends up, Andrew and I will do this podcast regardless if we have three listeners or if we have 3,000 listeners. The... The reason why we do this show is because we absolutely love it, and we love you guys and the feedback and everything, and that's why we. Then that's our why. We're not focused on the analytics. The only reason we want analytics is so we can show other people our success and have some sort of proof and basis behind what we do. Yes, and if we end up seeing like uh, a substantial number where we're seeing like a, a real growth throughout these twenty nine podcasts, like something impactful, then we can use those numbers and say, hey. This actually is something that might work and bring in profits for us in the future. Yeah. So then we can build off, build an actual business plan. But if at the end of the day these numbers are like we're not, we haven't really done much, then we it doesn't matter. This is not something that like we're trying to profit from. Yeah. Not not yet. Was our first string producer uh, co- commonly calls our podcast um, a no profit organization. Um, so. That's that's tough to hear at times, but uh, maybe we're we're gonna be booming soon. At least we hope. And you know the other thing is, is why we have analytics, is why we're at least looking into it more heavily now and more seriously is because we got like every third person coming up to us and talking about to us about our podcast and like, hey yo, so you guys can can you guys tell how many subscribers you have? Yeah, how listeners? many listeners do you have? Like, what's the uh, the numbers look like? And we're like, uh, dude, <laughs> uh, how no about clue. Give, how about you give it a listen and tell us how many listeners you think we have? <laughs> Because huh? it'll be ignorance is bliss with the guys from the back pocket. So, you know, like that, and that's like something that's so reoccurring. It's just like, thank you for asking. It, like, thank you for showing interest because we also want to know, but we have no clue. Mm-hmm. And so now it's our duty, our responsibility as podcasters to figure it out, adjust, and go. And it's going to be freaking awesome. So, trapping the puck on more of the analytics side, but transitioning to our marketing and how we've grown from that and just how. Well, one, one thing. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so 
uh, new thing that uh, we want the marquee interns rolling out, new thing that uh, we're instilling as a podcast. So we want all of our marketing interns to interact with each other. And when you see a marketing intern, you know it's a marketing intern, right? So like Andrew and I, we got our friends and we all have the same lingo, right? Well, as a podcast family, as the marketing interns of the back pocket, you know, we all need to have some similar lingo. So here's what we're going to roll out for you guys. We're going to have phrases every month. And this month, uh, we're going to start with, I'm not buying it. So anytime you can, like we started with the show, we said, I'm not buying it like four times. Um, at this whole, for the whole month of November, we are going to work in the phrase, I'm not buying it for everything that we can possibly do. And that's, that's, uh, that's a phrase that can be used in almost any context. Yeah. We're trying to generalize, we're trying to do some sort of average generalized phrase that we can find that would be funny and that you can just use out of context whenever you want. Well said. And you know, that's perfect for our marketing interns because... Now we're going to transition to how we market and just how, honestly, again, the ignorance is bliss type thing is rolled through the marketing techniques because we genuinely don't know what we're doing. However, we've been super successful with certain attributes that we've gone about so far. So let's start out with what I've learned. So I'm in a marketing 300 class, very general. Basic, not to brag. Not to brag. Come on. Uh, not to brag by any <laughs> means. Um, very general, just hits the surface level of what marketing is. Um, kind of like how marketing analysis is formed in the process and what leads to your end up, what you guys see on a day-to-day basis of like billboards and ads and stuff, but really the process that leads to that is what we're learning. So for starters, we had a chapter on um, creating like a brand name or a product name and um, kind of like the characteristics and the process that go along with that. And we had a guest speaker come in, shout out Aaron Keller, um, who came in and talked to us, who is a consultant for um, a company where he is brought in to help with this process. So he brought up three things that a marketing uh, that a title brand name should encompass. And just so you know, everyone, just so everyone knows, Andrew like has like way too many notes taken, and and he's absolutely prepared for the show, and it's fun to watch. Thank so. you. Um, so three points: uh, a title needs to have memorability. Okay. A title needs to have relevancy, and it needs to have protectability. Okay. Mm. So uh, let's so, go through our title. Okay. Uh, so first one, mem- memorability. Yes. Um, so it's something like when I think memorability, memorability, mm-hmm. I think uh, like memorabilia, something that you put in your basement, uh, something that's going to be there and it looks good, right? Yes. It's something that you're proud of. Uh, our logo right now, pretty sweet. Um, it's something that people recognize, um, some people love, some that some you would hang up for sure. Yes. Um, so what do you think? I think, I think it's, it's I think it's on point completely. And he was talking about how like people are trying too hard to be like Apple because like you think of an Apple, you don't think of you think when you hear Apple now you think of that whole company. Yeah. You no longer think of the food. Right. And he, and then another one that he brought up was like Nike, uh, which is the Greek. Um, phrase for, for victory victory right something like that yeah, Some, yeah allegedly yeah um but like there's these names out there that really have no significance to what the company is but they might and have it like they kind of woven it in yeah and other people are trying so ridiculously hard to try to be them when they're not trying to be themselves yeah so and, we we did that great and that's when i was like sitting there like just like huge smile on my face like uh nailed it uh you think relevancy so the back pocket and it's being relevant. Are you kidding me? I'm not buying it. Oh, I'm not <laughs> buying it. I'm one not bit. buying it, dude. We are so relevant. So relevant. Every 
you hear it in every conversation, like, uh, keep that for your back pocket. Like, every so often you hear that phrase. Yeah, I think we've transitioned as a, as a nation, as a world, and we're more speaking, you know, like, back in the old days, you know how, you know, our parents say all the time, like, people usually used to say, like, keep it for your memory bank, and, uh, you know, just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh-uh, no, that's no longer a thing. It's now, uh, put that one in your back pocket for later, and uh, we've, then I would say we're responsible for that primarily. Yes. And uh, then we transition to the third point. Okay. Which is protectability. Nice. So, our, is our title protected? Can we trust that no one else has used the back pocket or the back pocket podcast? Um, absolutely. Because if you go to uspto.com, you will notice that uh, it has not been used. Actually, the back pocket as a, as a title for a company or a brand or a product was used once, and I think it was for um, a newspaper company, the Back Pocket newspaper or something like that. And no way. Yeah, and then it said, like, started in 1990, terminated in 1991. Nice. We weren't even born then. We dude. weren't even born yet. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. So the usage of that name has been null. We are currently patent pending, so no one can steal our pocket, yeah. Back Pocket title. Yeah. So keep that one. Protectability. Well, here, here's the thing. Uh, protectability, I think, more of a physical protection. Okay. Um, your wallet's definitely protected when you have when you have it in your back pocket, as long as it has the chain. I mean, if you keep if you're going to Europe, if you're going somewhere where uh, there's pickpocketers everywhere, um, definitely back pockets. Not where you want to put your wallet because uh, you sometimes forget about it and you rely on it too much just for it to always be there. Kind of like our podcast. Um, so you usually put it in your front pocket, so you always keep your hands in your pocket there. Um, but, you know, I would say if you put the chain to your pants, chain goes to the back pocket, secure, tucked away, protected. 100%. So the overall, the overarching process of nailing these three points um, are, this man mentioned, to not be descriptive, but be suggestive and use velocity. Using velocity in a way to be creative and metaphoric. What is that? Velocity. Mm-hmm. Engineering mind thinks to uh, the speed. So Speed. so, what do we? What I don't know. I, he he said use velocity. I was like, what use is velocity that? to what though? I don't know. He said he just said use velocity. I was like, wait, what does that mean? And then he was like, by that I mean creativity and metaphoric. So like a lot of things are coming at you with this title, because you're being creative. And metaphoric. Because of the speed at which these things are being thrown at you? Processed in your head. So you hear, uh, okay. you hear Apple and then boom, your velocity hits because you're thinking iPads, iPod. Um. Oh, so you like, it repres- it's a symbol for something that represents a velocity or... Train of thought. Train of thought that just is at a Generated. high velocity. Okay. Yeah, that's I like what that. I kind of got out of it. Okay. Does that make I guess, sense? Uh, yeah, so I can sort see of. that. So like when you think someone says back pocket, well, they first laugh. That's yes. good. Um, mm-hmm. Then they're like average and then they go wildly average, and then they go Andrew Declan, and then they go uh, pretty decent show, and then you go subscribe on iTunes, give us a five star review. Boom, and that's marketing all interns. Marketing Witty, interns. Funny. I'm not buying it month of November. Yeah, come on. Easy. Uh, so, and the best part was when he said, don't be descriptive, we are not describing anything by saying the back pocket, but we're being suggestive. When you hear the back pocket, it's suggesting how wildly average our just content, our. our process has been just to develop this whole thing okay it's just like that phrase the back pocket is suggestive towards everything that we embody Mm, i like that Mm -hmm. i like that a lot so i'm gonna hit you with a couple uh facts Ooh, facts and then that'll wrap up this little marketing update okay let's hear it okay so let me let's hear let's let me hear your thoughts on this okay 
95% of marketing is social. So like not technology based. So you think social and you think social media. Social media n- wrong. Wrong. Okay. This is I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it is that perfect phrase for this quote. Okay. 95% of marketing is social. Word of mouth reigns king consistently. Dude. I, when course. he said those words, we'll buy that. I was like, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> my invest. Lord, invest. My Lord, the Back Pocket Podcast is capitalizing we on We accidentally hit a gold mine. Yes. We hit a cash cow. Yep. That's another marketing term I've heard uh, of just, you know, we're a word of mouth podcast. Of course, we're going to have social media, but that is a vehicle for word of mouth opportunities. We want to post something that's funny and have uh, Billy go tell his mom about this funny thing he saw on Instagram, and then have his mom think it's funny, and then tell her husband. Then her husband tell her guys at work, and then the guys at work, you know, tell their wives, and then their kids, and then look at that, that's 20 people, 25 people right there. Word of mouth. Word of mouth, man. I mean... And it's it's great at school, man. You got, when you got a mass concentration of people who are all over these social media things, it's not about throwing your advertisement out there and, you know, have them scroll past it on their way to school and, or or just looking at something else. You want to actually have good content on these social medias because they're going to be drivers for your content, your word of mouth, your, your marketing interns. Absolutely. And with that being said, the second fact runs perfectly off that. There are two trusted messages that get through and are like embodied in you each day. Just two messages. Okay? So I wrote down, we need, we need trust and we are more likely to trust experience. Okay. Okay, so then I was like, back pocket, how are we able to do this? Um, we provide an experience for you that's light humor and it brings you back down to earth, I would say, because we are not... We have an environment where we're just open, and we're not high and mighty on a high horse trying we're to casual. tell you things. We're with you guys, like we referred to earlier. We're a family, um, and we live off the experiences and have relations, uh, or have experiences that are very similar. So when we're talking about Andrew not being able to tie a tie, I guarantee you there's four or five other people out there, at least, that don't know how to tie a tie or just learned how to tie a tie. Like, these are average qualities that connect people together, which is exactly what these experiences and trusting those experiences are all about. Oh, baby. So just small portion of our marketing that has just already hit home, and we are just completely newbie rookies, just foagging our process. Remember, foag stands for figure it out, adjust, just and go. go. Um, so if you don't believe it, you can just look at us and come up to us and be like, hey, guys, your marketing tactics, I'm not buying Buy it. it. Uh, so that concludes and our then mar- maybe And then maybe help us out and say, uh, hey, how, how can I be better? We're always looking for suggestions. Yeah. Always. And maybe do that on iTunes after you give us a five-star review. Uh-huh. Um, so that concludes my marketing update. Dude, uh, you killed it. I love it. I think uh, that's going to be some good. Hopefully, uh, maybe our competing, uh, maybe this like turned out to be super average, but like people think uh, this might be good and like competing podcasts might listen to this and be like, holy cow, these guys have really thought out uh are their marketing strategy and are now going to elevate their own. Oof. So we're going to go ahead and we're elevating the whole playing field. So you're welcome. Um, so now we're going to transition you guys, our marketing interns, to our interview. We had Triple D, Dr. Dean Don Weinkoff 
on the podcast. Um, outstanding dude. He's the Dean of Engineering. Declan, give us our marketing interns a 30-second rundown of what to expect on this interview. Okay, so he's got a pretty sweet voice. Um, he gave, So you think we're going to talk, like, engineering the whole time and, like, this, that, and the other and, you know, bore you to death. Uh, but we talked about the state of New Mexico, which is almost equally as bad, but it was sick as heck. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Then, um, you know, I really hadn't known D-Don for a very long time, and I just went up to him one day and was like, hey, man, would you want to do an interview? And, like, without hesitation, he was like, absolutely, I'd love it. And then we always have this joke that we just call him Dean Don because it sounds funny, and, like, no one else would call him just Dean Don because it, it's just kind of interesting. So we were like, hey, can we call you Dean Don? And he was like, yeah, sure. But triple, and then he preferred triple D. So um, for everyone out there, uh, just start calling him Triple D. Um, it's it, controversies the air we breathe. Uh, I think he loved it because he suggested it, right? Yes. Okay. Well, anyways, you guys be the judge of that. Kick it to the interview. Unreal. Marketing interns get locked in. It is our interview with. Dean Don Weinkoff. Is it okay if we call you Dean Don? I Dr. Like. Dean Don, Triple D, whatever you want to Ooh, call him. I like that. So we are <laughs> residing in your um, great office, great view, lots of square footage here. Yeah. Um, you know, congr- a big congrats to you to secure uh, something like this. This is very impressive. Um, so, you know, it, it being Halloween... Um, we just uh, we had we had an opening question for you. You know, you're, we do our research here on the back pocket. Um, your father, and yeah. we just wanted to know like what it's like being a father on Halloween. Like, how do you stay warm? <laughs> like, are you drinking beer while your kids go uh, trick or treating? Are you handing out the candy? Like, what's the <laughs> protocol here? Well, now my kids are grown. Uh, my my big secret is uh, just let them go loose. Uh, mm. So they're uh, that's the efficiency you might be wanting to talk about. So you can sit on your own porch and drink your beer and hand out the candy. Nice. That's uh, that's my goal. Okay. <laughs> are you uh, king size house? King size candy bar house? Or are you- uh, yeah, we're Reese's Pieces or not Reese's Pieces? The Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. So okay. uh, I'm not going to tell you my address because there'll be a line down down the block. You okay. know? It's the number one tasting candy ever. Selected candy in America. I heard. I like that. So we're future. We're going to be future dads. Um, any advice for the Halloween day and preparations? Um, what should we expect? What, what's the adversity like? What's yep. what's the average day look like? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, costume selection's big, and let your kids go with that. Uh, support them and everything of that. That's the that's the number one thing. But I, like I said, the number the number two thing is just finding a place where you can just let them go because I mean, it's their experience, and, and let them interact with people in different houses and. Uh, if it's your interaction, that's not going to help them. So just find a place where you can let them go. And I think, you know, there's some great neighborhoods here in St. Paul. And, you know, where I've grown up all my life, uh, it's always been fun just to let the kids go and then hear about their adventures later. Okay, cool. So uh, should we start with our yeah, so annual let's question? Get into it. Okay, let's get after it. Um, so we ask um, uh, this question to everyone, every one of our guests. It is uh, so we're average guys, you know, we do things great I sometimes. Can tell. Just kidding. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> we, do, we do things great sometimes, other things we don't do as great. Um, so that makes us average. So um, what is your average quality? Well, I think that's it. I think the average quality is uh, just being uh, not too serious about who I am. Uh, you know, I uh, people take themselves far too seriously. Uh, I try and have fun with uh, who I am and the situation I'm in on almost every occasion because I think that kind of lightens that load. Uh, so yeah, my average quality is just uh, not to take myself too seriously because uh, they can, people can get away with that. I think that's one of our key 
key attributes here at the back pocket. We yeah. definitely don't take ourselves that seriously at all. And if we did, uh, I think we'd have problems. Yeah. <laughs> establish a self-deprecating, self-effacing sense of humor, and I think life will treat you very well. <laughs> um, so, with um, your being the dean of engineering um, and the career path that you've gone through, that um, how have you become passionate about? engineering what was that process like well it certainly wasn't math uh, so uh, it, math uh, could have steered me the other way I think what kept me in engineering was just a sense of wonder about how things worked uh, you know there's a lot of like I said a lot of my uh, signals from my professors in college would have steered me towards other majors uh, fortunately I persisted through that and uh, that sense of wonder of how things work how are things are made uh, just kept me going, uh, and uh, it got me through, and I think especially in uh, engineering education where it becomes much more practical at the end, junior and senior year especially, uh, you get to see that come to fruition. So I think that was the secret, you know, persisting towards that goal of I want to know about how things work. That's cool, and that's funny that you mentioned that you didn't like math at all. So would you say your first two years, you know, not really having too many engineering classes per se but having heavy math and physics classes um how was that well you know it's certainly important and i understand that but it certainly is a path or a gateway that uh a lot of students can get steered away from i mean engineering is far more than math and science facts Uh, it's creativity it's design it's listening to people it's communicating with people it's it's just far more than that and uh, i'm just fortunate that i was able to persist through a very traditional mathematics filter. I did really well at math. I, okay, I guess. I shouldn't say well. <laughs> That's <laughs> not true. That. I, uh, uh, I've just lied, uh, and my transcript from Iowa State University will attest to that lie. <laughs> so um, the D's and C's in mathematics were, were are a part of my brand. I so guess. is that a big question coming into St. Thomas? You know, were they evaluating like your time at Iowa State and obviously New Mexico will get after that. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, they, were they really no, like, they oh, this guy kind of struggled with I don't well, know if he could be the team of students. Well, I tell you, you know, uh, once you once you leave and you go off and do some things in the world, uh, no one's going to ask you what your, your GPA was at wherever or why did you get a D in that particular class. Um, those questions go by the wayside once you prove yourself in other ways. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we do our research, like we said before. Um, you went, you were a teacher or the dean? Professor. Professor, gotcha. Um, at the at New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology. Yeah, New Mexico okay. Tech. Great school. Awesome. It's just a small school uh, in the middle of nowhere. Okay. A town of about 8,000 people, about 75 miles south of Albuquerque. Just this small town in a, in a great tradition. Uh, only science and engineering majors at this school. Sort of a oh. former school of mines for New Mexico. Okay. Uh, and again, just a great experience. And also, speaking about raising kids, it was a fantastic uh, place to, to raise our kids, at least uh, to the start. Uh, small town life is, is fantastic. Because, again, you can just let them go out the front door and go play. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, living in New Mexico, how exactly was that? Because... I don't think I've ever been to Mexico. I don't know if a lot of people from Minnesota have ever, yeah. you know, gone south of, or west of the Mississippi. So there's a lot of things. Right. With that, how's, yeah. how's, how is it? Well, I, I, what, the, great thing, the greatest thing about New Mexico is, that, well, there's a f- several things. And I think, but one of the ones that stands out for me is, is that of all the states that I've traveled in in, in my, uh, in my uh, uh, life, 
You know, New Mexico still has a sense. It's a distinctive state. It's got a distinctive culture. It's got distinctive elements to it. It's very unique, and it's kept that uniqueness, which is wonderful. Uh, it also has some problems uh, in mm. terms of uh, uh, poverty and employment and all of those things. Uh, but again, that the culture is just so unique to the United States. Uh, in fact, in the New Mexico magazine, like many Minnesota magazine, you've probably seen that. The last page in the New Mexico magazine is one of our 50 is missing. And it's all stories about people who don't know that New Mexico is actually a state in the United States. <laughs> and it's That's enough awesome. to fill the back page of every monthly magazine. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, at the back pocket, we have this running theory um, that there's a lot that goes on in New Mexico, but that no one knows about it. Uh, do you have like any kind of insider information? Well, the, uh, the other unique thing about New Mexico is every we've heard about Roswell. Every town in New Mexico has their own Roswell. So Roswell's mm-hmm. the big national one. But but um, uh, what New is Mexico, Roswell, by the way? Oh, Roswell is the is the big UFO sighting, mm-hmm. oh, the crash mm-hmm. landing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And so every but every city has one. And and in fact, you know, I think that's one of the getting back to the, the great things about New Mexico is, is is the sky. What you miss from oh. people from the West who come to a place in the Midwest is the sky. Here you have trees, but in New Mexico you have sky. Uh, mm. And so there's a lot of time, spend a lot of time looking up at the sky, and maybe that's why people see so many things that are <laughs> sort of unusual there. Makes sense. Uh, mm. But uh, again, New Mexico's got a lot happening in terms of uh, culture and food, all the chilies and the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the national labs play a big role. But okay. again, a unique culture. It's got some, it's got some warts, but uh, uh, it, if you have a chance to live in New Mexico, you certainly will enjoy it. Okay. How did you end up in New Mexico? What was it? Well, that, <laughs> uh, I, I, I met a great woman uh, who grew up in New Mexico, and we made a plan to, to get back to New Mexico someday, and uh, that all worked out. I, I'm still amazed at how it did work out, but uh, uh, we wanted to start our family in New Mexico near, near her family, and uh, that's the way it worked out. So we, really, we were really targeting New Mexico to, to start uh, our lives together. Okay. And did you guys meet in, at Iowa State, or...? No, well, you know, uh, actually, we met. <laughs> Maybe that's my bar story. I'm not sure, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, you, you, uh, but no, we met uh, through a friend, uh, and uh, uh, she was living in California. I was living in Texas, and the friend said, "You got to meet this gal." And she was, and uh, I called her up. I said, "I'm going to a wedding out in Southern California. Do you want to be my blind date?" And there you go. Now, uh, well, almost, uh, boy. I played Better not forget this. It's twenty uh, <laughs> we'll some years later. Here we go. I mean, I'm, so twenty. Yeah. So average guys forget their uh, uh, the, the day they met. But I think I've known my wife now for about twenty five years. Okay. Wow. So I'm. I got to connect the dots here. Um, where did you? Where did you grow up? And so you said you lived in Texas. You Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, so, Iowa State to Texas. Yeah. Okay. So grew up in a small town, in Wisconsin, about a thousand people. Went to Iowa State for my chemical engineering degree. Uh, didn't know what an engineer did really, other than just I completed that sense of wonder as I've talked about. I uh, got a, a a great scholarship offer to attend University of Texas at Austin to get my PhD. And went to Austin, Texas. Lived there for five years. Then I worked to, for Shell Oil Company for five years. During that time, that's where I met my wife while I was living in Houston. And then uh, we, um, uh, we uh, uh, had an opportunity to, to move to, to Mexico, uh, and so I moved to 
to Mexico, uh, and uh, we lived there for a bit, uh, and then uh, we found our way back to New Mexico. So that's the big circle, and then from New Mexico here, so big, maybe it's a big crazy eight, I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's a crazy life. It's a sweet career path. So um, if you lived in Mexico, then you, you speak Spanish. Well, I did speak Spanish. I would hate to say I could speak it right off the cuff right now. Uh, okay. I, I wish I had kept uh, that going, and, I, and I'm sure it's in part of my brain somewhere that I haven't tapped uh, extensively for a while. But uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a great experience to throw yourself into a culture like that, as well as having to you know completely learn the language. In fact, the big pressure when I was in Me- Mexico was to actually teach in Spanish. Oh. And so uh, I actually was teaching engineers how to process plastics there, uh, and I uh, had to do it in Spanish. So, boy, that was you really have a lot of empathy for people who are speaking in a second and third language, especially when they're teaching. So, so speaking a second language isn't like riding a bike. So you you knew how to speak back then. I think it's. I think you know. I haven't. (laughs) Unfortunately, I haven't ridden my bike in a while, but I'm sure that's like get on it. But you know, I've said that to people. You know, occasionally we get reimmersed in in the Spanish language, and it it takes a while. You can't. uh, I think your brain, those synapses or whatever that need to fire, uh, just need to be exercised for a while. Okay, so you would definitely side on the immersion side versus like the Rosetta Stones. Well, I mean, everybody learns differently. Uh, I certainly can't learn from a book, so I have to learn from immersion so that's the way it goes for me okay, okay. Cool. speaking of immersions into different cultures so now yeah. you had different cultures in the united states you had the midwest you had the, i guess you could say texas yeah i would separate texas from new mexico they are very different cultures okay. <laughs> and i would even separate austin from houston and and certainly uh they're very different as well. So Austin is much su- southern? No, it's right in the middle of right the state. The right okay. smack dab in Houston, the obviously, is the coast. Right, yeah. Um, well, yeah, you don't... When you're in Houston, you really don't see the coast that much. It's it's very far inland on the on the Houston Ship Channel. Okay. So it's... Uh, you don't really... You have to drive about 40 or 40 miles to get to Galveston. Okay. Is, um, with those different cultures, where did you find yourself fitting and how were you able to... Because you're a Midwest guy, and I'm a Midwest guy. Declan is from Denver. Um, Any advice for you know that's that's maybe that's my average skill going back average quality. (laughs) You know, again, if you don't take yourself too seriously, you're not gonna you're not gonna try and bring your culture to it. You're just gonna appreciate everybody else's culture. I think that that's the secret. I mean, I've you know people you know. Obviously, Austin, Texas has got such a great reputation, but, you know, to be honest, you know, the people of Houston were just fantastic, and, you know, we found it to be a much more real city than than Austin, Uh, you know, today especially. uh, Mexico, uh, New Mexico, big town, Albuquerque, small town, Socorro, uh, you know, you just just have to, this is what it is, and you have to find, you know, the, the great things about it, you know, and I think that that's the... Getting back to the secret to life is, is find, the, mm-hmm. find the great things in people and, and don't take yourself too seriously. That's awesome. Um, so kind of transitioning now to your career now as the Dean of Engineering uh, at St. Thomas. So um, my personal opinion, this could be alleged, I think you've really elevated the engineering program here at St. Thomas. And when I was first coming in here, side story, I'm from Denver, so I really had no idea about what St. Thomas was really outside of a family friend who told me how great it was. And he was a seminarian here. Yeah. And so the main draw to St. Thomas was football. 
And so I was recruited to play football here, wanted to play football, but I also wanted engineering. And every person that I talked to in the engineering department, in the, um, what do you call it, admissions, all the people said, like, engineering here is a big deal. Like, engineering is awesome, but you, it wasn't as apparent at the time. And then they're like, just wait a couple of years, this thing is going to explode. And all it right. has. And it has. So I just wanted to know, like, how what's how you've done it? Sauce? What's the what's the secret sauce? What have you done? It's a it's a it's taglined as a liberal arts school, but we have an unbelievable engineering program. So like, how when you first came in, how have you just been able to build build what we have today? Well, the secret sauce for me as a dean is to hire the best people possible, throw them in the room, and then have great things happen. Throw them together in the room and have great things happen. And I think that that's kind of what we've built here. We've built a group of, I wouldn't say like-minded. I just think people who, who truly embrace the philosophy that we have here about uh, uh, educating an engineer uh, of, uh, you know, that, that's going to succeed in this, in this world. Um, and that's, there are multiple dimensions to that. Uh, but I think uh, if you go down the hallways here or upstairs or across the way here now with um, all the faculty we have, uh, they've all bought into that, and, and they bought into that prior to coming here. They're, they're excited. They, it's e- this is one of the easiest places to hire people because you can tell who's gonna, who, who buys into that philosophy and who wants passionately to, to, to pursue it. So the secret sauce is the faculty and the team we've built here, not just faculty but the staff. They get it too. Uh, it's all about the students. It's all about creating something different um, uh, and being passionate about that. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I don't know if it's me. It's just how, how great we've uh, done at, at hiring the right people and, uh, and from, from top to bottom. It's yeah. been, uh, that's the secret sauce. Okay. I like that. Um, myself, not being an engineer, I'm a business major um, and yeah. not really having any idea of what uh, engineering really endeavors, like the, what the qualities of a characteristic an engineer has. I've been fortunate enough to be in a, on the football team with a class that has eight engineers. Eight, eight or nine eight or ten. Eight or nine engineers, like which is a record amount. Yeah. Even there's one football player per class that's an engineer. Sure. So my class, Declan and I, in the same class, that we have nine of them, eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, Basketball team's the same. Soft, women's softball team. It's all over. It's great, for sure. In fact, the statistic was amazing. I was sort of stunned by it. Uh, we did the analysis a couple year, year or so ago for our uh, ABET accreditation, and 17% of all of the engineers who graduate from St. Thomas have had some sort of NCAA Division three experience. Mm-hmm. That says a lot about you guys. So the secret sauce, I go back to the, the, the faculty and the staff, then you add these great students. I mean, one of the things that I, that I was telling the folks here when I interviewed here is that there's so much of a sort of students or the customer model Mm. Well, that's 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 not it. <laughs> Students are your, our greatest asset, and your stories and your success are is our success. So, I mean, that's that's another part of the secret. That's like the I don't know. Is there a second secret sauce in the in the in the Big Mac? Or? It's if if we're gonna add more sauces, we're gonna get lost. Yeah, in the sauce might, here pretty soon. We might be the we might be <laughs> the, the the sriracha. Then all right, you guys are the sriracha. Yeah, everything. maybe maybe that? we're maybe more more of like your. Uh, your novelty items so you know you go to chipotle right and you get all your sauces on there yeah. but then you know they have the tabasco sauce that's right there when you need it there and you, you can put that on top that those yep. are the students yeah. <laughs> my kids it's the sriracha i guess and the cholula sauce absolutely Ooh, there cholula. you go oh. so we're two we're big two roses and a thorn guys 
So two positives and a negative. We ask all of our guests different questions regarding two roses and a thorn. I'm right. curious to hear what your two roses and a thorn are of being an engineer. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I started it. I mean, which is the reason I think I pursued and persisted in engineering is just this, this realization of knowing how things are made, how things work. You know, you know like I, I tell students, you know, when I... When I wake up in the morning and I flip the faucet on to brush my teeth, it's like I think about where that water came from, and I know the processes. And I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm the guy who does how is it made videos on YouTube, and I, I just still am and feel fascinated by those kinds of things. So that's the really cool thing. It's and uh, so that's one rose. Uh, the second rose is um, a different thinking style. Uh, you know, engineering is not necessarily a uh, you know, you're not learning a, 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 like a dictionary of facts or an encyclopedia of facts. It's, it's about, it's the process of how you learn about problems. And, I, it, and that applies to whether you're in business or whether you're in engineering or you're walking onto a plant floor in a manufacturing city or, you know, you're in a law situation. That, that systematic approach to understanding the important parameters of problems and then, uh, and then seeing how the world changes when you make those decisions to move forward in one direction or the other. Those are the two roses of engineering. Ah, oh, now the now the thorn, man. Let's see. Well, I'll I'll have to say that, and this gets back to why we're different here at St. Thomas. Is you know when I went to school at Iowa State, uh, I wish my education was far more broader than it is. I'm I'm. Uh, somewhat of a philistine in terms of that i i don't have that that deep deep systematic study of the human condition of of anything like that all of my classes outside of science math and engineering in my engineering education were 100 level bubble tests uh you know no real deep synthesis of yeah and i and i i regret that in life i mean i think it i think it's I think it's impacted my ability to read. I think it's impacted. I mean, maybe it's just I gravitated towards engineering because I didn't want to do those things. But I think it's uh, it's it's impacted a lot of, and and maybe I've tried to make up with it by being an average guy and being self-effacing and realizing that those skills are things I don't have. So yeah, a thorn is in most engineers. They just don't have that kind of education. Okay. And would you say at St. Thomas, you know, being a liberal arts school and requiring the additional liberal arts credits is a huge winning yeah, edge for having us. philosophy classes and ethics classes and psychology classes and history classes and theology classes. That is what is the difference. As I said, that's my thorn. Mm. And I'm trying to nip that off for you. So now, Declan, you've got it. You now you got to come up with a different thorn. Oh my goodness! And wow. I'm. Well, Wyckoff uh, took my thorn away from me. What's going on? Well, how, how about this thorn? Um, you know, you go to college and uh, you're hanging out with a bunch of business majors. Yeah, and, that's, you know, that's they detrimental to your they health. Get, oh. <laughs> yes. How about this, though? They they like to go out and party on Thursdays because they don't yeah, have class on Fridays. Yeah, I've heard about this. Thorn, thorn, of, thorn of engineering is not being able to go out on Thursday, Thursdays. I can't go to TIFFs because I, cla- I have four classes on Friday. Business majors don't have classes. Well, we have a lot more classes offered Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, Thursday. We don't have three-day classes. Mm. Engineering is required to have the three-day classes. Oh, and then you also have a lab, too. So. Yeah, there we Something go. Something to think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, well, if that's your thorn, if that's your thorn in yeah. life, I think uh, <laughs> yeah, right. you've got to come up with a better. Thorn yeah, come on now. Declan has been uh, known to throw the business majors under the bus yeah. on, the, on the back pocket. So well, I, I understand how to handle it. Oh, you're supposed to establish a self-deprecating sense of you, oh, not not okay. jump on the business managers <laughs> okay, all the time. Okay. So you've got to find ways to be funny and then mm. by by humiliating yourself. Okay, I'm a you, nerd. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I just, okay, there you go. I There's study. I spend more time in the in the basement of this building, OSS. Uh, I spend more time in the basement than I do probably sleeping. So mm. uh, everybody Abraham does. I actually called you a big time nerd. Yeah, because yeah. I knew that uh, what's his face um, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking came out with an online publication for the first time ever, and it was the most read publication. Um, wow. So yeah, did you not? I didn't know that. So you must be a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you Sorry if you hang out that. around me and my engineer friends, we'll talk about um, things like this table and why it's made up. Out of this material. Okay, why? so this leads in perfect transition. I was about to mention how I have two roses and a thorn of being a friend who is an engineer man. <laughs> <laughs> um, two roses. First rose, um, which you mentioned, you're in the basement of OSS. You're also everywhere on campus, and usually there's a group of these engineer majors always studying. So mm-hmm. if you need someone to study with just to keep you company, go to the engineers because they're always studying, and there's right. always a group of them, so it's, it's always a fun atmosphere. Right. Big time rose. Other rows would be, if you don't know how something works, um, they'll be there to tell you. It can yeah. answer those questions. However, Big Time Thorn is they're always trying to tell you how things work. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're driving down the highway and they see a bridge and they're just yeah. just dumbfounded by the structure. <laughs> or you're just walking down the street and they see a building and something, how it works. They always need to tell you how it works. Right, that can that can lead to a thorn. Because and I think people lead. people might find. I, I tell people how things work, too, yep. especially in the systems and the bureaucracy we've built here. And maybe that's maybe that's my thorn as well. <laughs> uh, you know, another. You know, by the way, and another thorn that people will tell you about engineers is you can never, as a business major, here's a hint for you. And this is one of those great little, you know, tidbits and tenets that you can live by. Is it never let an engineer tell you when the project is over. Okay. Because here's the deal. Engineers have an educational mindset of finding the right answer, right? But we always know, we'll know. How many different bridges have you seen? Designs. Yeah, thousands. <laughs> right, yeah. yes. It's, and so there are a thousand answers to every problem, right? But an engineer feels compelled to find the right one. And the amount of time he's going to take, or her, is going to the amount of time she's going to take to make that happen. It'll be a never-ending process. It'll be a never-ending process. So never let an engineer tell you when the project is over. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of like that evolution that you're speaking of, um, our own society right now very, is evolving rapidly based on technology. Sure. So we have a tech-based society now that everything's done with technology and there's new technology coming out every year. Um, so how have you been able to, you know, evolve the engineering school, its curriculum, the things that are involved with, in it with this new tech-based society? Well, I think it's just preparing our engineering students for the understanding. And this, this is one of those, again, fundamental tenets. The rate at which technology is accelerating far outpaces the rate in which society uh, and humanity and uh, can adopt it. So you have a you have an incongruent you have a you have a discontinuity there, right? You you there's there's a imbalance. And in order for the engineers and the scientists to truly match those up, 
or develop technologies which could be adopted and accepted more quickly is that we need to create engineers who understand that human condition, right? Who mm-hmm. understand laws, who understand markets, who understand people, how they think, <laughs> how they change their minds, uh, what influences them. Those are things that are not taught in a traditional engineering education. So if we have this imbalance, and I think we can all agree to that, technology's changing far faster than society's ability to adopt it. Let's, I mean, is anyone arguing that? No. Podcast people? Well, maybe we should pause and listen for any arguments. Okay, so we have no arguments. God, it's like, you know, that's the beauty of being a professor. <laughs> <laughs> you can control that uh, one-way flow. You just don't leave time for questions. <laughs> uh, but... That's true. That, if that we adopt that, then, then naturally anyone who's involved with science and engineering education must be bending towards that societal adoption rate. And what are you doing with the engineers and the scientists to realize that? Absolutely. Um, I feel like we're at that time in this podcast interview where we have an opportunity to um, hit the back end of our questions. And that always consists of the bar story, which is our new fe- newest feature. You'll be the third right. person now to uh, have a bar story for us, a famous person you've met, and what did you learn? So with the bar story, would you like us to set the scene? Well, the bar, so well, well, sure, you can set the scene. Okay, we're, we're good. Well, so it's not necessarily the premise you of You don't the think story. I can imagine myself in a bar? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, but pretty much, yeah, you're in the bar. You're at, you're, you're at Tiffany's Sports Lounge. You're sitting there. Guy comes up next to you. Uh, you don't know him, obviously. Um, and you have and you guys are there for the next hour, you know, twiddling your thumbs. What kind of story are you going to tell um, this person? And, and it's got to be a story, you know, that's good good in length, but at the same time is uh, at least going, is interesting to keep, enough to keep him interested. Yeah. So what do you got for us? Well, it's funny because, you know, you gave me an outline of what you're going to know. What's your bar story? And I was like, I think every one of my stories starts in a bar or ends in a bar. Or, uh, you know, I'm not sure. But, uh, but you know, I, you know, there's so many classic stories in my friends and I's traditions. And, you know, we, we tell them and retell them and change them over time. <laughs> you know, there's the tug of war with the bear story. There's the armed robbery on a bus in southern Mexico. I mean, it, it's just like there are some great stories. Um, but, you know, I want to get back to my favorite bar story. In a bar, you walk up to a guy. So, he, literally, I moved to Houston, Texas in ooh, ooh, 1991. Nice. That was five, know, year, five years before we were born. All right. So, I moved <laughs> to Houston, I Texas. I heard it was a good year, though. <laughs> yeah, great, great town, big town, you know, new town, didn't know anybody, you know, moved into my, I rented a house and. You know, after work one day or on a Friday, I said, well, what am I going to do in this? This is pre-snake, you know, whatever, snap face or whatever you guys do now. I mean, there's none of that going on. And uh, and this is just before I invented the Internet, too, by the way. Okay. You know, so, um, so just to put it in perspective. But I remember going, well, if I'm here in this new town, I got to I gotta meet some people. Sure. So I remember... Literally opening up the newspaper, you know, like City Pages here, there was one of those in Houston. And I went just going down the names of bands in various different bars that were playing that night. And I just randomly picked, you know, I didn't know anybody. Right. 
randomly picked this bar called Rudyard's for Rudyard Kipling. Walked in there. It was band plans, great. Started talking to a guy in the bar. Uh, you know, of course, you buy each other a beer or two. And yeah, what's your what's your beer of choice? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm any beer. Now the IPAs, I like the IPA a lot. Okay. I, I like IPAs. that hoppy flavor. But but you know, Schlitz, Pabst Blue Ribbon, that's my beer. Yeah, okay. PBR, easy. Yeah, Schlitz is another one. Big time favorite. Ooh, Schlitz. Yeah, that's John Abraham hit, hates Schlitz. Did really? You know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Anything that ends with a Z, he wasn't a fan of. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Anything starts with a Z, too, maybe, for Abraham. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so I started talking to this guy, and, and you actually, you've heard the end of the story. This guy uh, is, you know, again, we, we well, exchange phone numbers, we, you know, you head out the next weekend, you know, and he was a, he was a, actually was a clerking for a, a judge in, in Houston. Few months later, he says, "You know, you really got to meet this friend of mine in Southern California." Turns out, randomly choosing this bar that night, I run into one of my wife's best friends, future wife's best friends, who introduces us, and there you have it. Now, twenty-five years later, so that's my best bar story. So I didn't meet my wife in a bar; I met my wife's friend. In a but you bar. met your wife because you try because you went to a bar and met someone randomly. I think that. You know, that goes back to, you know, you just got to throw yourself into situations where you can prepare. You, you, need, to, you need to throw yourself into situations where you can be surprised. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, prepare yourself to be, and that's what, through education life, I mean, you, you, if, you, if you're going to set yourself up where you know what the outcomes and you're certain of what this is going to take, where it's going to take you, take a different path. So, Yeah. Live in the moment. Yeah, Dr. Doolittle, right? Throws the dart at the map and says, we're going here. There you go. I like that a lot. That's awesome. Um, so great bar story. Love it. Yeah. And I'll tell you some more, but <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, I really want to hear the armed robbery in Mexico. Yeah, that was that. It wasn't the, well, it well, wasn't the robbery that scared me. It was the bus driver, his reaction. His, he was just furious, and uh, it, was, it was harrowing. It was, yeah. Well, luckily, we uh, since you're on now, uh, yeah. you you just automatically become a recurring guest. Oh, really? So uh, you know, we'll have you come on later, oh, and then man, we can you do uh, me for all my good stuff, all my good material. What? Story <laughs> story time with Don. All right, story time go. with Dean Don. Yeah, Doctor Dean Don. <laughs> Triple D. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. So uh, finishing it up, um, do you have a story of a famous person? You've met? Well. You know, the, the bars that I go to are not that many famous people. Mm. So uh, I would say maybe it was someone who became famous later. Uh, who knows? Mm, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, no, I can't tell you. I mean, I, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't run in those circles. I'm not looking for famous people in my life. I'm, I'm looking for real people. That's interesting uh, yeah. that you didn't mention John Abraham. Uh, he's famous. He said it. He was too. Really? Yeah. Yes. Really. No, I would you say know, anybody that tries to spend so eighty-five to minutes to debunk uh, climate change denier, yeah, and gets famous happened? in the UK. But what happened to your sense of humility, Mister Abraham? I'll have to talk to him about that. Maybe <laughs> over a beer that ends with Z. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. It's priceless. All right. Now our final question. This is a question some people tr- have trouble with. I don't think you will. Um, what have you learned today from the time that you woke up to right now? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I usually wake up and I read the New York Times online, and I love David Brooks's column over the last couple of days, and I think that that's, I would, I, you know, and I'm not going to go into that whole philosophy, but, you know, I don't know if I learned like a new fact or something, but I think I, I try to learn a different perspective, even on the same issue, and I, and that's what I. Uh, I try to do. I mean, I'm not trying to learn. Again, getting back to that sense of, well, well, how does this work? Or, you know, how does that how does that happen? Or, you know, those are sort of factual learning things. I would say that I just try to learn a different perspective on the same, uh, uh, the same story that maybe I've seen a number of times. So that's what I, I felt like a Brooks's, David Brooks's editorial this, this weekend was good. Well, that's a worthy answer. I like that a lot. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for your time in the back pocket. We hope you enjoyed it. So that was our interview with uh, Triple D, Dr. Dean Don Weimkoff. I loved it. How about you, Doc? Absolutely electric. Um, I really want to get him on again to hear this Spanish robbery story Mm -hmm. um, because that seemed just wonky as hell and something that we could really love and learn to love. So thank you, Triple D, for... uh, allowing your time for the back pocket to uh, enjoy this process. Um, So now, as podcasters and as the back pocket, we will transition with consistency. We're going to finish off with what did we learn and a feel-good story. Uh, To set the scene for all of our new listeners, this is when we're at our best. We are feeling it. We have our rhythm. Um, We are just connecting on all cylinders. It's like a third quarter of a football game. Yes. You know, if you do your work. And now we're going to talk about what we learned because this is a, this is something that not everyone thinks about every day. What did I actually learn today, Declan? Would you like to start us off? Yeah. So uh, this one I learned uh, not too long ago. Actually, I learned it today, um, and it was from your dad, uh, John and Sarah, uh, big time marketing intern for this program. Um, he taught me how to give a hug. Ooh. And so he said, um, so like most most people hug uh, on their left side, and it's just kind of natural to hug on your left side, and he said, uh, that's incorrect, and he said, uh, you need to go heart to heart, so your heart is on your left side, right, so people go to their left, which means that their right side is connecting with the other person's right side, but if you go to your right side, so like here, we'll we'll reenact here, this is left side, so you see that, see how our hearts are connected, yeah, Yeah. so that's heart to heart, yeah, heart to heart, but like most people do it the other way, and see how that's not heart to heart, yeah, so he said like, you got to give hugs heart to heart from okay. now on. So that was warm. Yeah, it was pretty dope. Yeah, uh, hearts are warm. Hearts are warm. And that was a uh, really bad podcast, and we just gave each other a hug. But hey, whatever. I hope you enjoyed it because yeah. I sure did. It's 2016. It's the air we breathe. Controversy is the air we breathe. Um, but anyway, so if people, <laughs> if people, uh, it, it can get a little awkward, right? Because everyone goes left, and you want to go right because you're a heart to heart guy, and uh, there can be some stipulations with that. Um, so you want to avoid the awkward, uh, like neck dodging on there. So you got to tell them beforehand, like, Hey, got to go heart to heart, go to your right. And that way, uh, you're, they're not, you're not trying to go right and they're trying to go left. And then you end up like kissing, which is again, it's 2016 controversies here. We breathe. It's okay. Um, a good way to avoid that. And just off the top of my head would be to show an, uh, a difference of hands. So if you show your left hand oh, the is angle, high, the angle, you walk in quick. You're like when you're approaching them, you're, you're already, your arms are already shifting to a way where your force left arm their is hand. High. Force their hand where they have to match your your positioning. Match the hands. Yeah, match the hands exactly. Nice. nice. And then boom, perfect hug, heart to heart. 
I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, what I learned, again, came from uh, third shout-out today on the podcast. John and Sarah, again, coming through with more knowledge. Always does. It's a guarantee. You have an interaction with my dad, John and Sarah, and you're going to take away something that uh, you're going to want to keep in your back pocket. Oh, of course. He's a total back pocket, like, uh, back pocket, sorry, uh, voice crack. Um, but he's just like a total back pocket fat guy. Like you're like, oh man, like I, I can't use that right now, but I, I'll use it later. Yes. and it's good. It'll be good for my life. It'll be great for my life. Uh, so this one that he hit me with was right after uh, senior day, the game, and he uh, we were on the field, and he he said he heard this from uh, I can't remember if he said it from another podcast or from a, an article that he was reading. But it said, uh, love the process, and the process will love you. Mm. So there's a whole thing going on right now with Joel Embiid and all he's thinking about trusting the process. I'm, ta- I'm taking this to the next level, mm. um, and we're going to love the process. Love because the process. when you do so, it will love you back. Mm. I like that a lot. So maybe we should just start hashtagging everything. Hashtag love the process and has, instead of hashtag trust the process. Yes. Trust and love are very similar, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, but love, I would say, um, is twice as much as trust. That's pretty wild. Yeah, that uh, is wild. Yeah. Dope, though. Thank so you. we just hit you home. We just hit home two things that we learned today through John and Sarah. So, again, thank you, Father. <laughs> dope, dude. All right. <laughs> so now I'll, I will transition to a feel-good story because I'm already feeling pretty good after that. Um, but here's a feel-good story for our marketing interns. Um, Declan and I just concluded senior day. Um, we're seniors. We're seniors. Yeah, Top dogs. Top dogs. Hey, big guys over here, senior football players. Um, so we, but we finished uh, our senior day, and uh, we both had incredible experiences. And I just wanted to mention on the back pocket that Declan will no longer be suiting up for games. Um, however... His final plays as a football player will go down in history um, because of when he went in, the atmosphere that just flipped. It was just a normal game at that point. But then when Declan came in, the, everyone on that sideline was like, I'm locked in. I need to see how 3-5 is about to utilize this last opportunity. And let's just say he capitalized to the fullest extent. Yeah, and I would say that's going to be something I'm going to remember forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an emotional time, but it was one of those things where, you know, when coach says you're going in, like, that's just the moment to, like you said, flip that switch, but at the same time, just know, like, live in the moment, man. Just mm-hmm. I enjoyed every second of that. Uh, there's nothing that – no one could take that away from me at that moment. Um, it was awesome, you know, getting a sweet hit on the running back, you know, getting an awesome tackle. Getting, getting my opportunity, something that I worked so hard for the past four years that everyone sees the surface, the tackle, the the great atmosphere, everything, but, like, they don't see, uh, at least everyone doesn't see, like, the four years I put in before that. But, like, someone like you, Andrew, who has seen that, or and all, a lot of marketing interns have seen it, it's cool that it's cool to actually, you know, have it all come together, have it come Full circle, so a full circle moment that. like that is pretty damn sweet. Yeah, I felt good, man. Yeah. Um, so I would just say to all our marketing interns, man, uh, you know, thank you for everyone that came out and made that experience, you know, last, and it was awesome. I loved it. I love you guys, and I just would ask, you know, live in the moment, flip that switch, baby, and let's get after it the rest of this week, baby. See you guys next week. Love the process, and the process will love you back. Have a great week. Take care. Take care.